Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Sota, daf kaf, page 20. We are smack in the middle of this, I don't know, of Amadalaf, maybe before that actually. We have um, a new Mishnah and it's an important Mishnah. I know they're all important, but this one really is. Ad shalonim ha-megila amrat until the point, until the moment when that scroll gets erased, when the writing on it gets erased, the woman can say, I'm not going to drink it. So what would happen is that the the scroll itself would be buried, right? put in a geniza. Um, the, the meal offering would be burned and scattered. The ashes would be scattered on the, um, on the deshen. I'm blanking on the word for the deshen. Uh, the part of the Mizbech, where you scatter ashes. And that drink, right, the scroll that she was supposed to be put in her drink cannot be given to a different Sota woman. I'm wondering how many of them were really lining up, but right, it can't be used for somebody else. It has to have been written for her, for her purpose, for her use. And the moment she's not using it, again, it's buried and put away. But if the scroll is already erased, meaning it's gone into the water and the words have been erased, and she said, um, she confesses, right? She says that she is Tameh, that she was impure from having been um, in an affair. They spill out the water. And likewise, the meal offering is again scattered at the place of the ashes. So meaning she doesn't drink. She's like, she's confessed at this point. Now, let's say the scroll is erased. She says, I'm not going to drink. At that point, at that point, she's, we, the Kohen, the whoever's there is going to force her to drink, even against her will. And I think this goes back to your Zena, something you said the other day about it being highly unpleasant to us, this idea that she would be forced to drink against her will. And I just want to note that the the process here or the different possible cases here really do give her an out until really far along in the process. She could say that she doesn't want to drink until those words are erased. She could say she's, you know, she's tame and she won't have to drink. There are ways of getting out of it until that very end point of this place in the Mishnah. Um, okay. So here, let's take a, the cases if the woman is guilty, right? She did have an affair. She does drink. She doesn't finish drinking. And already her face is going to turn green. Her eyes are bulging. Her skin is getting all... The, the veins and sinews are showing up, right? She's kind of popping out of herself. The Hamelmarine Hotzilu. I basically think of the Raiders of the Lost Ark scene. And everybody's faces. Okay, yeah. So then they say, take her out because she's about to die, right? Meaning this is her death sentence. This is why she might have said she's not going to drink until this, you know, early on. Right until the very last moment, um, or even she can admit to to committing adultery, right? And she won't have to drink, and she won't be subjected to this. So take her out so that she doesn't render the light of God. The the mission here goes on to kind of minimize, I guess, what's going on in this whole procedure. It says if she has merit, 
then it will delay that punishment for her, so she won't die immediately. That merit could push off the punishment a year, it could push it off for two years, even for three years. Mikan Omer ben Azai. And so because of this idea that if she has the merit, it could delay the punishment for one, two, three years, Ben Azai made the statement, Chayav Adam Lamed Epito Torah. Ben Azai said that a man is obligated to teach his daughter Torah, She'im Tishte Teda Shezchut Tolala, so that she will know that if she would ever be in the, in the distant future, if she would ever be at Sota, she should know that if she has merits, then her death her death can be pushed off and and she would, you know, survive longer type of thing. She needs to know that so she can make sure that she has these merits to be able to offset the situation of the Sota. It's unclear to me why this discussion is never, so she learns not to be a Sota, but okay. Rebelezer Omer, and here we have a very important statement. Both of these two statements are very important uh, for future generations like ours. Rebelezer Omer, kol hamelamed et bitotorah, Anybody who teaches his daughter Torah is as, as if he's teaching her promiscuity. Tiflut is, is a hard word to translate, is traditionally translated as promiscuity. And the idea then is that what's happening in this context is somebody who's teaching his daughter Torah to avoid the decrees of the Sota, right? So she'll get out of it, but she's still then going to like be guilty, you know, someone who would be guilty of the affair and would be able to somehow get out of it. Um, I want to note, and you know, I've been waiting for this Mishnah. Um, I want to note that this is the source of both the the reason or the 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 original source that gives us both the incentive to teach women Torah to say that it's allowed and perhaps an obligation, and likewise the source that led to the Rambam in particular, but others throughout the generations, saying women should not be learning Torah, specifically Torah Shabal Peh. Because the idea here is that learning the verses of the Torah is not enough to teach Tiflut. That would only happen with the intricacies of Talmudic law as we sit here reading Mishnah. Um, right? The, the sources of the discussion of how women learning Talmud Torah came to be acceptable and perhaps even mandatory in more recent generations. And I say, you know, 20th century, mid 20th century and onward is a whole separate discussion, not really. Um, not really the topic of the day, except for the fact that any, I think that just about any Shear that's going to talk about those sources will include this source in the discussion of how we get to uh, women learning Torah today. Um, I'll turn it over to you in one moment. We have, we have a little bit, have a little bit more of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yeshua Omer says that a woman who wants to get the amount of the kav of food. And likewise, tiflut, right, this sexual relationship, right, this promiscuity, rather than getting nine kavin of food and being, uh, and being an abstainer, right? The claim here is that women are promiscuous of, at their source, I would say, you know, in, the, in their essence. The fact that she would rather have less food and more of a sexual relationship, more promiscuity, rather than more food and more prishut, more absence. He would say, this Rabbi Yushua would say, that there's a chasid shoteh, there's a pious man who's foolish, 
a foolish man who is pious. There's a wicked person who's tricky and conniving. There's an abstinent woman, meaning a prusha. And then there are those who, makot prushin, there are those who kind of beat themselves up with false abstinence. And all of these people erode the world, meaning none of this is a good way to be. So it's interesting to me because it first sounds to me like he's really criticizing this woman for having a sexual appetite and not an appetite for food. But then it says that a woman who's a prusha, a woman who, woman who abstains, is among those who erode the world. And I think that bears further investigation, frankly. You know, look, there's a very, very famous Mishnah and this opinion of Rabbi Eliezer gets thrown around often. Um, I think we'll we'll probably read the part of the Gemara's discussion on this Mishnah tomorrow, which is on Dav Chaf Aleph on, on 21. Um, but it's clear the way that the Gemara describes it is Ben Azay's opinion is the rabbi's opinion, and therefore the majority opinion, which is that a man should teach his daughter Torah. So it's interesting that Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is the one that is often most quoted when we do have this discussion about women and Talmud Torah. Because it's the Rambam, I think, because Rambam brings it as part of his discussion of women in Talmud Torah in Hilchot Talmud Torah. I, I know this by heart, right? Because I've given that particular topic of Shir, Perak Aleph, Halacha Yud Gimel. I think that, you know, by, by enscrolling it, so to speak, in the laws of Talmud Torah, Ben Azai's opinion kind of, even though it was the dominant view back in the day of the Mishnah, it kind of got shunted to the side. Right. But I, you know, we'll, we'll deep dive into this a little bit more uh, tomorrow. But I think to me, the takeaway from today's stuff is there's an alternate opinion in the Mishnah. And in fact, it's the first opinion that is shared. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, part of the Gemara um, that uh, discusses, you know, the difference. Uh, well, there's this whole interesting thing about Rabbi Meir, where he quotes his exchange between Rabbi Akiva um, and, and Rabbi Ishmael. Um, but I'm going to move a little bit farther on from that about whether or not you can use a particular type of ink, which is not erasable. Um, and But Brisa here, um, sort of at the bottom of Amad Aleph, Tanya was taught in a Brisa. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Omer Haya Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir used to say, Lekol matilin kan kantum right? For any part of the Torah that you want to write, you can put kan katom into the ink when we write it. Except for this parsha, right? This parak, parake of Bamidbar, right? Of Sota. Rabbi Akiva said in Rabbi Meir's name, No, the only time you can't put the Kankatom in is when you're writing the Sota in the Beit HaMikdash on the scroll there. But on a regular Torah scroll, you could. My Benaihu. So the Gemara wants to know what's the difference between Rabbi Huda's version of, of Rabbi Meir and that of and, and Rabbi Akiva's uh, Rabbi Yaakov's version of Rabbi Meir. Amma Rabbi Yirmiya. So Rabbi Yirmiya says, right? So it's a very interesting sort of case that Rabbi Yirmiya says, right? The difference, let's say you had a Torah scroll in the Beit HaMikdash, you have a Sota, and instead of writing a scroll, you say, oh, I'm just going to like erase the part of the Torah scroll, right? That has the, that has the parts of the Sota that has the, the curses written in it. Okay. Um, and that, you know, uh, you know, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, that would be, um, and according to Rabbi Yaakov, it would not be allowed because you need to have it. 
own scroll, right? That's what he says. Um, so then the Gemara tries to say, okay, maybe this actually is a machlok at Tanayim, right? Vahanitane ki hanitane, right? These Tanayim, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov, are making the same argument as other Tanayim, and they quote another brisa. The Tanya says in this brisa, right? The scroll of a sota is not, you know, is not valid to give to another sota. In other words, if you write it for one sota, it has to be used for that sota, um, or right, or the scroll has to exclusively be written for her. Rabbi Achai Bar Omer, Rabbi Achai Bar says the scroll could be used for another sota. So, in other words. The, what's written on the scroll doesn't have to be written for a specific sota. The Gemara is going to reject this. Amar Papa, right? Rapapa says, Dilma Loki, maybe that's maybe these two different machlokas, the one of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov, is different than this one. Akan Loka Amar Tana Kama Hatam, right? Because so far the Tana Kama, the second Brisa, right, who says that the Torah scroll written for one sota can't be used for another, didn't say, didn't say there. Right, more than one parchment had been taken for the purpose of Rachel. Okay, so what does this mean? Right, what we're saying is we're just sort of using uh, Rachel, Rachel, and Leah to talk about two different women here, like one woman and another woman. So it's like the same way when we often do, we talk about Ruvain and Shimon, right? And so what he's saying is he's not, he what he didn't say is that you know, you have more than, that once a parchment was, was not going to be used for other women, right? Right? You know, then you can't say, maybe you could say it could be for the, for this other woman, for the Rachel. Right? It cannot then again also be withdrawn and then used for Leah, for the original person. person. But a Torah scroll is written for everybody in general. In other words, it still doesn't mean anything because the Torah is written for everybody. And so maybe the Tanakam would say you could use a Torah scroll. What the Tanakam is discussing is when one's written for Leah, you want it for Rachel or for Leah. Like in other words, you can't interchange between people once something is specifically written for someone. But in what comes to a Torah scroll that's written for everyone, maybe the Tanakam who holds his opinion would say, no, you could erase because it's written for everyone. In other words, it has every woman in mind, basically. Um, and then the Gemara goes through some other reasons uh, as well, right? I'm a Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak said, Dilma Loki, right? Here's another reason why maybe these two Machlokot, these two prices really can't be compared. Adkan Loka Amar Rabbi Achai Bar Yoshia Hatam, right? So far, Rabbi Achai Rabbi Yoshia has not said there, right, that a scroll doesn't need to be written for a particular sota. El alot ba'lam except he's a case of a scroll that was written for the purpose of Sota's curses. But a Torah which is written for studying, right? It's not written for Sota. Maybe his opinion would be, you could never erase the Torah at all because, you know, it's there for studying. It's not there for the curses. So again, the point is that maybe we can't compare these two different machlokot, the machloket of Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yaakov, to the second machloket about, uh, you know, about uh, using, uh, about whether or not the scroll of one sota could be used for another sota. Um, and then the Gemara says the following, Rabbi Achai bar Yoshia leisle. does Rabbi Achai bar Yoshia not hold what we learned in the Mishnah? 
right? Somebody wrote a get to divorce his wife, the Nimlach, and then he changes his mind. And then someone from his town comes to him and he says, right? My name is the same as your name and my wife's name is the same as your wife's name, right? In other words, he's basically saying is, oh, let me take your get. You don't want to divorce your wife anymore, but I want to divorce my wife. And we can use the same get because the names are all the same. When we get to get, and we'll talk more, the names have to be very, very specific, very different than a ketubah, where if there is an error in the ketubah with the names, it's still valid. But with getting, it cannot be, it's it's actually not valid. But it, but here the case is the names are exactly the same. The law is, is that basically the halacha is, is that get is invalid for the second husband, right? Uh, because he has to have a get that was specifically written for that. And so basically by bringing this, right, you know, they say Rabbi Achai Bar Yoshio, who says, no, you could, uh, aren't we saying that Rabbi Achai Bar Yoshio, who basically says uh, that you, um, you know, you can use one scroll of a sota for another one. And in a way, one could argue the scroll of the sota is a form of a get. Maybe you could argue that, but the point is more that it's written for a specific woman. So they're saying, does he not hold like this as well doesn't he hold also that you have to have each get has to be written if he holds by the get for the sota so the Gemara says amri they said in the case of divorce it says right he writes it for her this is basuk in devarim chapter 24 verse 1 right which means it has to be written specifically for her so the Gemara says so also in the case of sota but midbar chapter 5 verse 30 it also says of Asala, the same language, which would mean the scroll has to be written exactly for her. So the Gemara answers, my Asya, what does the Torah mean by doing, right? When it says that in Sota, it's talking about the erasing, right? And maybe not about the writing. And so therefore, that's why one could argue that maybe the Sota scroll actually is different uh, than the Torah scroll itself. But I thought this case, this idea that one could like, you know, take the Torah scroll and erase it. Again, I boundary pushing. I don't think this is something that would necessarily happen in the Beit HaMikdash. I think they would figure out a way to write an actual scroll of the Sota. They wouldn't like be like, oh, let's take a Torah out and erase that. But I think what they're trying to play around with here is the idea of intent, right? Like, who is something written for? Who owns something? Who is a document affiliated with? And they're trying to see, like, could you even go as broad as saying the sort of a Torah is you know, sort of everybody's document is, I think, sort of what they're trying to play around with, you know, that, you know, can you take, you know, when we say that we have to copy over parts of the Torah for this particular ritual, what if we go to the actual source from the Torah itself? And ultimately, you know, I think that's what they're really essentially asking. I think it's really interesting that the comparison or, you know, juxtapositions here between the get and the scroll of the Sota, because, I feel like it's it's its own discussion topic. We its own sheer because of you know what's happening to this marriage and what's happening to that marriage and the fact that both of them have this you know this scroll that has to be written in a certain way and so on to be able to dissolve no pun intended the marriage. Like I I find it to be so interesting that like you know one of those doctorates that one day I'm going to write maybe it's going to be on this maybe it's not even worth a doctorate but just a sheer to investigate you know, the differences and the compar- the parallels and how it is that this co- this is a, a signifier of a marriage coming to an end. 
That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgman website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time on Facebook page. Until tomorrow.